Welcome to Happiness and Inside Job. This is episode 52, The Big Picture, and I'm your host, Connie Atkinson. Happiness and Inside Job is the go-to resource for Christian parents wanting to effectively communicate with teenage and young adult children utilizing powerful life coaching skills. What if I told you your children don't need to change anything in order for you to have a fulfilling relationship with them? You can change everything about your relationships with others by merely changing the way you think about them. Imagine the power you find when you stop depending on others for change and you create the change. Suddenly, you stop being the victim and you become the hero of your life. Welcome back, you guys. I missed you last week while I was driving out east with my nephew. We drove all the way from Utah to the East Coast in 33 hours and 15 minutes. There was a tiny bit of help from my nephew, Tyler, and a whole lot of determination on my part to get there as fast as we could because I had grandkids waiting for me in Baltimore. Anyway, we got my nephew all moved out there. It's crazy how fast these kids are growing up, graduating from college, and starting to live the adult life. There's a part of me that wishes I could rewind a few years and just freeze time when they were all little and under my roof. The bigger part of me, though, is loving every second of this new phase of my life. I'm able to give more attention to the little kids who are left at home and more attention to me figuring out what I want to do and who I want to be when I grow up. I've got so much life ahead of me and huge plans. In fact, the more plans I make, the more ideas I have and the more things I want to do. When my nephew and I began the drive from Utah to Virginia on a Friday morning, there were those that speculated we would never be there by Saturday night, and they all ate their words. They underestimate the power of a grandma who wants to see her grandkids. This week, as I was reading a random book, I was reminded of an amazing parable that's a great example of the power of perspective. This parable begins, It was six men of Indostan to learning much inclined who went to see the elephant, though all of them were blind, that each by observation might satisfy his mind. The parable goes on, One of the men approaches the body and compares it to a wall, a sturdy wall, a rough wall, and a very strong wall. Another man approaches a leg and compares it to a tree, very rough, very sturdy, very immovable. Another man approaches a tusk and compares it to a spear. Yet another approaches the trunk and compares it to a snake. Then there's a man who approaches the tail and compares it to a rope. Although they all describe very different things, none of them are wrong, and yet none of them are fully right either. The author concludes, And so these men of Indostan disputed loud and long, each in his own opinion exceedingly stiff and strong, though each was partly in the right and all were in the wrong. I have to admit that I, too, have been guilty from time to time of this same short-sighted thinking. The other day, a Facebook memory popped up, and I was reminded of a pet bird I had named Polly. Polly was given to me by a dear friend and was actually very well-trained. 
Polly would sit on my shoulder for hours on end as I would do chores around the house and work. I could even go on walks with Polly, and she would sit on my shoulder the entire time. During the winter, she would nestle inside my jacket as we took long walks together. One day, Polly and I were doing yard work in my front yard, pulling weeds, and all of a sudden, there was a warm, thick, gooey substance that ran all the way down my back. Somehow, Polly managed to relieve herself directly down my shirt. I guess you could say that in that very moment, I didn't see wing or beak or feathers. I only saw poo. In fact, I never again interacted with Polly. I returned Polly to her cage and promptly put her on KSL. She went to the first person willing to remove her from my house. In that moment of poo, I only saw poo. All of the hours Polly and I had spent doing housework, yard work, and going on lawn walks together were forgotten. I felt no trace of love for Polly, only anger. And just like that, I cut Polly out of my life, only to be remembered through Facebook memories. As long as this is not your first episode, you are keenly aware of how deeply I adore my little Shih Tzu puppy, McKinney. He sleeps most of the day, but always he's nestled in a soft blanket by my feet. As I drove out east, he was nestled in my lap, being my constant companion the whole 33 and a quarter hours. Now, unfortunately for McKinney, once we got there, he had a few digestive issues. So here I had been without sleep for much of the last two days. And in contrast, he was well rested and boy, did his tummy hurt. In my exhausted state, he woke me up three times. Now that's a ton even on a good night. But on this particular night, I thought I was going to die. In fact, I almost did. The first time he woke me up, I wrapped myself in a blanket, shuffled my feet in a daze across the carpet to the stairs, stumbled up four stairs, and across the hardwood floor to get him out to the backyard. When he finally returned from the backyard, we retraced our steps back to the bedroom. In a daze, I shuffled my feet across the hardwood floor to the top of the stairs, and I don't know what happened from the top of the stairs to the bottom of the stairs, but somehow, whether that nine-pound ball of fur or whether that minky quilt got underneath my feet, I will never know. What I do know is that I went flying in the air, and the bottom of my back followed by the full weight of my body, came crashing down on the edge of that bottom wooden stair. Luckily for McKinney, I have grown up just a little bit since Polly, because in that moment, all I wanted to do was send him to the glue factory. So this concept of zeroing in on one particular feature of an elephant per se applies to far more than just the animals in our life. For example, my unsupervised mind, when it receives that automated phone call from the school, matter-of-factly educating me on the specific periods in which my child was absent, truant, or tardy that day, my mind immediately wants to use my child's attendance record for a day as a predictor for her future success as a human being. Now, I'm sure as I articulate this into words, it's very easy for you to recognize how completely ludicrous it is for my mind to jump to such ridiculous conclusions. 
I also predict I am not the first nor the last parent to have ever jumped to such conclusions. My higher brain knows my child's character is compromised of far more than her high school attendance record. And it's important for us as adults to recognize when our minds go to these extremes and to stop it in its track and just tell it, you sneaky little brain, not today. A sneakier example of this principle may be when we step on the scale in the morning. In that very moment, when we see a number that is not what we expected or hoped for, we allow that to predict our entire future success as physically healthy human beings. Now, our higher brain knows many factors make up that number on a scale. It can change based on sleep, water intake, how hard we worked out the day before, how much salt we consumed the day before. So many factors go into that number, and yet we so often allow our unsupervised brains to use that to define our entire future success. That number may be compared with the ear of an elephant, but it certainly does not define the entire beast. It's information. It's education. What can we learn from that number? If it's where we want it to be, what did we do right? What could we have possibly done that contributed to our success that we can rinse and repeat? If it's not where we want to be, why? What factors could have contributed to that number we don't like to see? What can we change? What's something new that we can try? You guys, it's information. It's education. And if we look at it as, what can I learn from this? One of the questions I really love is looking to my future self for advice. My future self who is at my goal weight, what is she going to tell me to think? What does she want me to learn from that number that I see on the scale today? We are never defeated until we stop trying. That truly is the only way to fail or to lose, is to stop learning, to stop asking ourselves what next and figuring out what the next best thing to try is. It is very difficult to convince the parent of a teenager that their child's future success and their success as a parent is not defined by the cleanliness of that child's bedroom. Now, as parents, we're allowed to set boundaries. We're allowed to allow that children to help pay for the housekeeper. If they don't want to clean it up themselves, they can help pay someone else to come clean it up. I am in no way suggesting that parents are victims of teenage filth. That is in no way the case. You are allowed to set rules. You are allowed to set boundaries. But don't look at the tail or the mess and define that as the whole child. To focus on the amount of filth a teenager produces is about as healthy as standing at the hind end of an elephant and enjoying the smells that come out there. What if we take a step back and enjoy the whole picture? What are your child's true talents? What are their strengths as a person? What are things that you truly enjoy doing together? It's so much more pleasant when we quickly set boundaries and then enjoy them. Remember what things we truly enjoy about them as people. Remember why you became a parent in the first place. What did you dream of? What's the reality that you dreamed of? And what thought can you truly believe that will make that a reality in your life? Tiny babies are not all about poopy diapers, sleepless nights, and barf. In fact, all of that is forgotten the minute they coo or giggle or laugh as you do silly things to entertain them. 
Let's use that same principle to really enjoy being with our teenagers again. Sometimes when there's an earth-shattering declaration about a teenager's sexual orientation, we want to make that the whole picture. What if it's not the whole picture? What if it's just an arm? Can you see how that changes everything? There are so many other pieces to this child than just their sexual orientation. Sometimes when spouses get in an argument, our brain wants to make that define our whole relationship with our spouse. What if it doesn't? What if it's just one piece? It's just one moment in a huge spectrum of time. And how healthy is it to focus on that one moment that wasn't stellar? That one moment when maybe both of us acted in a way that we're not proud of. But that doesn't define the whole history and future of our relationship. It defines one moment in time. We have an opportunity to learn from and to study that moment in time the same way we have an opportunity to study that number on a scale. Again, the only real way to lose is to quit. Other than that, it's a lesson. We get to figure out who we want to be tomorrow and the next day. And to even turn to our future self for advice and ask them, how big of a deal is this going to be in 10 years? Will I even remember it in five years? If the answer to that question is no, we have a real opportunity to not make it a big deal today either. Sometimes in our life, out of anger, we view people as expendable as I viewed Polly on that hot summer day when I found warm poop running down the back of my neck. There are few absolutes I follow as a life coach, but one of the absolutes that I always follow is I never coach anybody on their action line. In your particular situation, that may be the right thing to do. Only you know the answer to that. I only caution that when you cut out a seemingly bad from your life, you are also cutting out all the good that that person also provides. True story. One Christmas to a family of five kids, there were four envelopes underneath the tree. Each envelope contained a child's name and a check for $500. One child received nothing while the other four received $500. As parents, it can be very difficult for mama bear to stay harnessed in a situation like that. The truth is, and the facts of the situation are, there was one child that was slighted $500. But looking at the big picture, those five children as a whole were still $2,000 richer. How often do we cut someone out of our lives based on the $500 injustice while we ignore the $2,000 gain. My friends, in ThoughtWorks, we work so hard to make sure that we recognize the $2,000 gains in our life, as well as making sure that we're looking at the big picture and not focusing our entire attention on one snapshot in time. We dig deep to make sure that our mindset is a healthy one that's going to create the results that we really want in our life. We don't give away our big goals and what we really want for that fleeting wish of the moment. If you have not joined ThoughtWorks, do not waste another minute. Get in there, head on over to www.happiness-andinsidejob.com. Go to ThoughtWorks, join now, and get started today truly applying these principles to your life. 
We'll see you in ThoughtWorks, my friends.